Hi, this is James Russell, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Coralink Solution, where we look to empower you through awareness and actionable insights. On this episode, I am pleased to be joined by Dom Vaca. Dom capitalizes on his almost 40 years of human resources experience to provide corporate HR consulting services, ranging from recruiting and organizational development through conflict resolution and performance management for privately held companies and organizations. During our discussion, we dive deep into Don's recruiting expertise as he's filled thousands of jobs over the years. Don shares insights relative to what leaders are looking for as they recruit new talent. He shares key tips as to what you can do as you seek out new opportunities, as well as things you absolutely should not do as you seek out those new opportunities. So, as always, sit back and buckle up as we're about to link up with Don Baca. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Core Link Solution. I'm here today with a, a good friend that I've known for quite some time uh, in the Philadelphia area. He is a uh, executive recruiter, uh, recently retired from his uh, longstanding career and started his own uh, company. And I'll let him tell you what he does for a living. And for some of you, it's going to be extremely helpful. For others, you may find him as a person that you uh, thought would help you and maybe had to, he may have to turn you away. <laughs> Unfortunately, but uh, welcome, my good friend, to the uh, program, Dom Vodka. Dom, thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here, James. And Dom, why don't you tell folks what you do? I know you, you're an executive recruiter, but you've also been an HR executive. You've done so many things in the HR field. Why don't you spend a few minutes uh, telling folks what you've done in your career? Sure, gladly. Yes, uh, as you mentioned, I'm uh, semi-retired. Semi-retired, uh, yes, yes. Semi-retired. I. Uh, I left my last full-time position about two years ago, but uh, as much as I enjoy golf, I can't do that every day, mm. okay? And I still wanted to remain active professionally. So what, I, what I'm doing now is a combination of corporate HR consulting, okay, as well as selective um, retained searches. Mm -hmm. So I'm still, after 30 years of recruiting, I couldn't hang that up. So I still am uh, doing a little bit of that, mostly with private equity-owned firms. Uh, Yes. Uh, and enjoying it. Now, you couldn't do golf every day because? Because of the way I play sometimes. Okay, I just want to be clear <laughs> on, on the why. No, it has nothing to do with physical limitations, thank God. But no, I just I just couldn't do it every day. Good, okay. good. I understand. So, you know, one of the reasons I asked Dom to, to come on this program is, as you all know, the audience, uh, we want to empower you with information and insights. And Dom has just a wonderful background of working with uh, just you know so many organizations, leaders and such on uh, both uh, helping folks enter the organization, helping leaders find talent, helping people matriculate through organizations. And I thought he would bring a lot of insights. And before we jump into that, though, I always like to help people understand who they're listening to. So, Dom, why don't you start with maybe sharing something that people who may be listening who know you, something they may not know about you. That might surprise them a little bit. What, what, what's a fun fact about Dom? Uh, I don't know if it's a fun fact, but it is a fact. Uh, early on in my youth, uh, I was uh, in a um, seminary college. Is that right? Uh, seminary theology school. And uh, at one point in time, I aspired to be uh, part of the clergy. Okay. okay. So that's something that a lot of people don't know about me. Uh, but early on, what it did tell me is that I had a passion for people. Yes. I just had to figure out how I wanted to work with people. Yes. Okay. Did I tell you I, I did too? No, you I did, did not. I did. I went really? To, I, went to, I went to Jameson uh, Theological in Philadelphia. I did not know that. I did. Okay. 
Yeah, so I used to say, you know, I could marry you or funeralize you. (laughs) It's true. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I did not know that about you. I did, absolutely. Look at that. Something else we have in common. Yes, it is. Yeah. So now, you know, when you thought about making your transition, uh, retiring Mm -hmm. to consulting, what, what drove that transition? Part of it was I wasn't ready to hang up my cleats mm-hmm. professionally. Um, I still like to engage intellectually with people. Uh, I like to I like to have an impact outside of my family. Right. Okay. And uh, that probably as much as anything. Uh, a third thing is I it would allow me an opportunity to not invade my wife Nancy's space. Gotcha. Okay. At home, she it took her a little bit getting used to. Having me home, okay, and she said she thought that I was invading her space. So uh, it takes me out of the office, and uh, that's kind of a, a tertiary reason why. But it. Uh, it really was an, uh, uh, an intent to stay active professionally and uh, still contribute. Understood. Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that um, I've heard that a lot from retirees, right, that integration into the home takes work. It does. Yeah. It really does. It's it's interesting because somebody told me who had fully retired, they said that what it does is it totally blots out the uniqueness of weekends mm. because every day is a weekend. That's uh, right. Uh, and uh, again, I, I get enjoyment. I get relaxation actually out of challenging being challenged intellectually and challenging other people intellectually. So yes. for me, it's it's not work. Got it. That's great. So, you know, um, so so talking about, you know, a little bit, the folks you've worked for in the past, or you work for a lot of different companies, then you transition out to being uh, having your own HR uh, mm-hmm. practice. You know, when you think about a lot of the leaders you've helped in the past and some of the roles you've you've helped them in, maybe we can start with uh, the recruiting front. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about what leaders have looked for historically and currently, what What's the profile of a, a hiring manager? You know, how do they think about talent? What are some of the things at the forefront of their mind when they come to you and they say, Dom, you know, I'm looking to fill positions and these are some of the things at the forefront of my mind as I think about talent? You know, that's an interesting question because there are some exceptions to this and that would be in highly technical areas like engineering and information systems where it really does require some body of technical knowledge that you have to have to perform the job. Mm -hmm. But aside from those exceptions, um, managers will often tell me they want this background and this degree and that degree and whatever, uh, and this industry experience. But what it oftentimes boils down to is hiring somebody who has, who shares the same values as that manager has, Mm. or the same values as that, that company has. And that has more to do, in my opinion, with somebody's future success in an organization than uh, how many years experience they bring or what what their major was in college. That's interesting. Yeah, it really is a values thing. Values thing, which I'm sure probably is a delight to you, actually, right? It is. Yeah. It is. I find that the the best matches are matches that are made when you, uh, you can link up a person's personal values with a company's corporate values. Yeah. And you look at some of the best companies in the world, and they're companies that have very, very defined values. Right. That everybody knows what they stand for. Uh, and it's easy, it's much easier for you as an individual to kind of pair your 
values with theirs. The, where it becomes difficult is with companies who don't have well-defined values. Right. Then you don't know what you're getting into. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, you know, when you think about uh, things you do, sometimes you get to a point of, uh, what do you call it? Um, unconscious competence, right? You just do it so much that you're used to doing it. Yep. I think Wayne Gretzky has taken, what, well over 10,000 shots or something, right? And his famous statement was, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Yeah. It's great coming from him. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan, I can't remember how point. many shots he took, right? But he would say, you know, he had famous statements about the shots. How many, how many roles do you think you've helped fill over your career? Your career? You know, I was thinking about that on my ride in this morning. I would probably say over the 30 years, it's in the thousands, mm, okay? Mm -hmm. In terms of either matching people or really providing career guidance that they make the right choice. There's a, there's probably as many individuals who I have not personally placed, who I've helped right. land in positions that are right for them right. as there were people that I was successful in generating a fee. And then a lot of those folks were manage, managers themselves sure. who then subsequently were hiring folks. Yep. So your generational impact, as it were, is in the tens of thousands. For sure. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you just reminded me about two weeks ago, I got a call from a, a fellow that I placed. He uh, placed him out of Price Waterhouse with a local company, uh, Exelon. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, he's, he's just an outstanding person and a really talented, bright guy. And I placed him probably close to 30 years ago, right. okay? And we're still in a relationship and he was asking my guidance on one of three opportunities mm -hmm. that he is pursuing um, after like 25 years at Exelon, yeah. okay? So you're right, it is generational. It's generational. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, because you know a lot of times when I get uh, folks who uh, give me a compliment on a certain skill, or something, I, I tend to think back to the mentor or leader or manager who pushed me to develop that skill, right? Absent that person, I'm not sure I would have taken that step. And yeah, I, I think know, that's, that's important. A, that's a, it's, it's critical in my opinion, because I think one of the reasons why people either never find what they want uh, is because they never take risks. And that that relates to what you just said in terms of somebody pushing you out of your comfort zone, pushing you to do something that maybe you hadn't done before. Right. You lack the confidence because you hadn't done it before, but you you take a risk and you try it, uh, realizing that you could fail or you right. could experience some failure. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you alluded to uh, Gretzky and, and Michael Jordan, and you, you look, look at the definition of a good hitter in baseball. They fail 70% of the time. That's right. Okay. Right. That's, it's so funny you say that because, uh, you know, I worked at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and uh, during half of my time there before the Bank One merger, John Farrell was the head of HR. And John Farrell used to say, you know, in baseball, if you bet, I think, a, a 400 or 500, you you are a superstar. Oh, yeah. He's like, man, in the here. Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's like, here, we get it right 90% of the time and they still say, you suck. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. you know, so, you know, just it just depends on what context you're in. That's exactly in right. In terms of how the numbers uh, stack up and get uh, ranked, uh, rated rather. So so now with all that experience you have, as folks think about pursuing a career now or think about their next job or mm -hmm. how, and how to find it, what have you seen as some of the best approaches and best practices that you would advise folks to take? If they say, you know what, Dom? I'm in. Okay, great. I, I am sitting and I want your tutelage. 
I'm trying to find my next career. I'm trying to get to my next destination. What are two or three things that I, I definitely need to do to get to the next place? Well, it's it's an interesting question in light of um, something I did about two nights ago. I happened to be surfing the, the web and uh, I ran across an author. Uh, he's actually a, um, he's no longer living, but mm. he is a uh, world-class best-selling author for about 45 straight years. Mm. His name is Richard Bowles, okay? okay? And he wrote a book in 1970. This is going to answer your question. Okay. He wrote a book in 1970 called What Color Is Your Parish? Yes. Okay. I, 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 yes. And it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't tell you the number of people that I referred it to. But uh, r- relative to your question, what he says is that it requires an individual who's looking in the, uh, to the future. It requires them to do a certain amount of, if not planning, he says you, you really can't plan because there's so many external things that could happen that you have no no control over. Correct. Recessions and uh, and uh, whatever uh, natural disasters. But he said you can design. Mm. Okay. And what he said by that, what he referenced an example. He said, if if you're if you're going on a vacation, you you have to ask yourself, okay, what am I going to need? If you're going on a camping trip. You're going to have to ask yourself, what, there's a lot of things that could happen. Hurricanes could happen and you have no control over that, but mm-hmm. you can kind of design your trip and you ask yourself, what, do I, what am I going to need? Yes. Okay, I'm probably going to need this for warmth. I'm probably going to need this for protection of the elements. And if you don't pay attention to that, okay, you can have a pretty lousy vacation. Mm-hmm. Okay, And the same thing applies to careers, mm-hmm. okay, is that if you don't give any kind of forethought in terms of, uh, number one, what your an inventory of your skills are, okay, if you really don't have a good grasp of who you are, and a lot of us don't because we don't take time to think about that. Yes. We just do, okay. You need to take an inventory of your skills. You need to take an inventory of what you enjoy doing. And a personal example of that is when I was in high school, uh, I was really, really good in math, okay? I got all all A's in math courses, but I didn't enjoy it, okay? And so there's a difference between what you like and what you're good at. Yes. And sometimes they mesh and sometimes they don't, okay? So it's a matter of inventorying your skills. It's a matter of inventorying kind of your, um, your likes. Uh, and very importantly, and this is probably number one, is what's important to you, what your values are. I referenced that earlier, okay? You know, people... Uh, the, the, <laughs> One of the few things that I learned in graduate school was from a marketing professor who said, people do things if they see value in it, yes. okay? And you're going to take actions either at home or at work if you see there's some value in it for you. So if you disregard uh, taking an inventory of your own personal values, you may find yourself in environments that really aren't suited to to you. Mm-hmm. So, That's excellent. Yeah. Okay. So skills, likes, and what's important to you. Got it. And what, you know, when you think of uh, the people you've helped usher through the process, and I'm sure it's probably, well, let me ask the question differently. I shouldn't assume. Do you find yourself somewhat conflicted sometimes because you're working on behalf of the um, Mm. hiring manager, Mm -hmm. you bring through candidates, you are former relationship, you already have a relationship with the hiring manager, Mm -hmm. you have former relationships with the candidates, and then you find sometimes the candidates are struggling through the process, right? And someone looks like they're in a, in a great position, they're heading down the path, 
and then sometimes they make a mistake uh, and go down a wicked road, right? Does that? I'm, I'm assuming that happens every now and then. It happens frequently. Yeah. Okay. And it's a it's a real dilemma for uh, search consultants, and it's why anybody who uses a good recruiter needs to make sure that they're using somebody that has principle. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and ethics. My attitude always was I was a conduit between the hiring manager and the individual. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I was a feeder of information back and forth. And I felt that the best way to affect the match was to be honest with the information from the candidate to the corporate client and vice versa. And I was not the decision maker. Right. Okay. And I always reminded myself of that. Okay. The decision was on the part of the hiring manager and the individual, the, mm -hmm. the candidate. But uh, the, the other thing that I always felt was my responsibility is, is I owed both parties my opinion right. based on what each of them told me was important to them. Mm. So if I had a candidate that said, you know, money isn't really critical to me. I want to find a position where I've got a work-life balance, okay? And uh, the, the, uh, an offer came through for that individual and it provided a great work-life balance. It, it gave he or she almost everything that they wanted, and they were wrestling over dollars, okay? Right. It was my responsibility to remind them that before we even started this, this is what you told me. So the best weapon I had to use with either a client or a candidate were their own words, Yes. okay? But you're right, there were many times there were those conflicts. And if they were disingenuous, okay? then- That put all of us in a really difficult situation. Right. And there were some individuals where I uh, tactfully had to t turn them away and say, I'm sorry, this is not gonna work out for us working together. If, mm -hmm. if you can't be totally honest. I had an individual one time who told me he wouldn't tell me what his salary was, his compensation was. Right. And it put me in a really difficult position because I kind of reflected back to him, how are we going to look, okay, we, you and I, if my client asks me what your compensation is, this is when you could ask what a person's compensation was. <laughs> uh, and I say, sorry, I don't know because he wouldn't tell me. Okay? Right. It's not gonna reflect very, very favorably on you. So I told them we, we're probably gonna have to part well, about a week later, he came back to me. He he wanted this position badly, and he said, uh, "I was wrong. Okay, I need to give you that information mm -hmm. that you could use on my behalf." Yes. Okay. You know how, how do, and I'm sure this question comes up a lot. I I used to remember I remember hearing it from folks uh, who've worked for me before, and and when they were ready to make different career transitions. Because I'm a fan of, and this may sound like I'm conflicted, but I'm really not. As a leader who's led a lot of people. When I find someone is not operating in their passion, I'm a fan of helping them get to the right place, mm -hmm. even if they're working for me. And that yeah, means they I know that about you. Yep. Right? I'm just a fan of helping get people because I'm not going to get the best out of them if they're yeah, in my that's area. That's exactly right. So there's right. no need of trying to just say, oh, no, I'm going to lock them down here. I got to keep them in that seat. No, let me try to help you get to the right place. I expect you to be productive while you're here, mm -hmm. but let's help you get to the right place. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes, if it's an executive, right? Um, they go, well, how do I get on the radar of the executive recruiters like a Hydrogen Struggles or like a Corn Ferry or like a Dom Vaca? How do I get to that point where you recognize that person? What's your... What's your uh, that's, that's a good question. A lot of people are really lost in terms of who they should go to. Mm -hmm. So I recommend that when somebody is perfectly happy in their job and in their career, mm -hmm. 
that's a good time to begin a relationship with key people who can help you. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to do that is to ask individuals who ended up at your company, okay, and you know came from the benefit of a recruiter, mm. ask them who they used, okay. okay? And if they were, very importantly, if they were happy with them, because there are a number of people that, thousands and thousands of people who are placed by individuals in good positions who would never use that recruiter again, right. okay? for good reason. And I've often said that there was no fee that was large enough for me if it meant that a candidate would never come to use my services again. Yeah. Okay. But your point is network before you need Absolutely. the opportunity. I've heard that before, yes. Do it, do Absolutely. it when you're happy, yes. okay? Mm -hmm. Not when you've got to get out. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you a question. <laughs> well, this is funny. Is social media a friend or foe? in the recruiting process. It's a friend. It's a friend. Very much so. Okay. Yeah. And when, when it first came out, um, I'm trying to think the first big threat, we thought it was going to be a threat to recruiters was monster.com. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and now you have Indeed and you have a number of others like that. We thought that it was going to take away a huge segment of our business. Uh, it didn't. Okay. Now, now it, 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 it's certain levels and in certain types of positions it does. So in the less skilled uh, general labor area, mm -hmm. yeah, those services will steal business from the recruiting firms. But on the professional levels, not so. And in fact, they're tools for recruiters to use to network. Gotcha. And so, what about uh, any advice on, because you've given a lot, of, a lot of good dues, are there any particular dues in terms of how people manage their social media life? Because you know, here's how mm. I think about it. You know, I back in the day, I worked at WSFS in HR, right? <laughs> when I was on the generalist side, I think I stopped generalist stuff before I got to Chase. And that's when I moved to the other side of the HR house on kind of service delivery. And I'll never mm -hmm. forget, you know, it, it was the, uh, it was still the paper days. Right. So the, all the resumes came in by paper. The first thing you did is examine the envelope. And the first sort was the, the type of envelopes mm -hmm. because you, you just had mounds of yep. mail that would come in. So you had to pick a way to sort. Mm -hmm. So the first was, hmm, this person spent the time and, and went up a notch on Good the stock. heavier stock, yep. stock envelope. That's my first sort. Then you open them up and you go, hmm, nicer stock paper good typing, mm -hmm. they laid it out well, made it easy for me to read, second sort, third mm -hmm. sort, good grammar, right. really hit the high points, hit the accomplishments. And I know for people who are re listening to this, you're going, well, no, it's about the substance of the person. You're right, but the attention to detail and presentation matters, right? When you have one job and a thousand apps coming in, you have to pick ways to sort, right? So now if you think about that, we move from all that paper to somebody can just go and click and look at a person's profile. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, what's the advice in terms of how people manage their profiles, particularly when people think, I believe often that, oh, my LinkedIn profile is totally different than my Facebook profile. You can't hold me accountable for my Facebook and Instagram and all those profiles, that's different. Right, LinkedIn's different versus well, profiles. they are different. They're 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 intended to be different for different, different purposes. But there's a real danger if you don't. First of all, there aren't very many LinkedIn profiles that I've seen that are weird or inappropriate. Correct. Okay, most of most of the people who use that use it responsibly. Sure. Not so on things like Facebook, Instagram, and whatever, where you can get yourself unintentionally in a lot of trouble. Have you found trouble. people actually getting into trouble in a 
potential hiring situation because of those other profiles? I've not had personal experience with that, okay. but I've had kind of secondhand experience with that. I do know that there are a lot of companies that as part of their screening process, they will check a person's, if, see if a person has a Facebook page. Okay. 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 And some companies will even ask what your Facebook, uh, what do you call your Facebook uh, name is. Okay. Or, uh, and, you know, pe young people will make, you know, we all make stupid mistakes when sure. we're young, okay? But to promote them on uh, something like Facebook uh, can be a career killer, mm -hmm. okay? A lot to overcome. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And unfortunately, your digital we didn't footprint- have to We didn't have to worry about that. We did not. Your digital <laughs> footprint now, is, is it's hard to erase. Um, so, okay. Any any criticals? You really have some really. So, let me recap some of the some of the do's. So, inventory of your skills, inventory of your likes, what's important to you, network before you need a job. All all excellent. And then we started on some some critical um, don't do's. So, one, you know, be be mindful of your social media presence. Mm -hmm. Any other don't do's that you've seen from your years of experience? Things um, to be mindful yeah, not to do. Yeah. Um, it's this has more to do with inefficiency than it has anything, but it's really foolish today to uh, blast your resume mm. all over Kingdom Come. It uh, the likelihood of you getting a uh, any kind of nibbles is slim and none, and that leads to kind of a do, which is a counter to that is that do some homework, do some research on where you're looking or where you're considering applying to. Know something about. You wouldn't go on a vacation someplace that you don't know anything about. Right. Say, so why would you apply to a company that you don't know anything about? So, you know, there used to be a shotgun approach to just put out as many resumes as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. That's like throwing a whole bunch of stuff against the wall and hoping that something sticks. Right. That doesn't work today. Uh, and in fact, to put yourself back in the role of a hiring manager, okay, if if there was a correspondence and a, and a accompanying resume that came in. And that person showed that they knew something about not only the company, but the part of the business that you managed. You got to take a serious look at that person. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, because they're they're already invested in your Absolutely. in your group. Absolutely. Yeah. The the more specificity you came with in my time, and again, I'm a <laughs> we do we did personality prints during my time at, at Legal Shield, and I'm a four two, which means uh, creative and high level of empathy. So I skew there. So mm -hmm. I, I openly admit I'm not that. surprised. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I skew there. So know thyself is important. Um, but so my empathetic side is a person that leans into people who spend time to you know, knowing what they want and then expressing that through detail and research. Mm -hmm. So if you came and said, look, I researched what you lead, um, how you do business, uh, the things that are important to you and the culture you drive, so on and so forth. And I don't know a tremendous amount about that business yet, but I wanna be in that group. I'm willing to put in the work. And by them showing that level of due diligence and so on and so forth, I'm more inclined to take the risk with that person because they were so targeted and had done that level of research. Sure, I'm not surprised. Right. And I would take it one step further if it's at all possible, and it isn't always possible to get enough research to know this, but if you could take it at the, the next step in terms of saying, and this is how I can help your department. That's right, Okay. absolutely. These are some problems that I think I could help you solve. Absolutely. I mean, I've why, would, why wouldn't you talk to that person? That's, that, that's exactly right, versus a shotgun. and.
you know, I'm, there's no discriminating again, factors. Again, it goes back to what we talked about. It's is how can I show value to you? Exactly. Okay, if I can show you value, I'm likely to get a response out of you. Exactly. If I can't, we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, exactly. Any other don't do's that come to mind? Not any that I can think of, but um, one of the things that came that, uh, well, this relates to what we just said in terms of not just blanket uh, blanketing your resume out there, is Bowles also had uh, referenced a, a real interesting uh, website that I was unaware of hmm. uh, called, take a look, I have it written down here, called Jobs with Friends. Hmm. I had never heard of this before. I've never heard of that one either. Okay? And what it is, is it will provide you with a list of all of your friends and where they're working, mm -hmm. okay? And it will then allow you to segue from that to the opportunities that exist within the company where they're working. Interesting. So that what it does is it provides you with a lead into that company. So that, for instance, if uh, if I was interested in working for uh, James Russo at J.P. Morgan at right. the time, okay, and you didn't know me from Adam, I, I didn't know you, but I found out that one of my friends worked at J.P. Morgan and coincidentally worked in your department. Okay, uh, I'm going to use that person as a lead-in mm -hmm, to you, mm -hmm. and I'm more likely to get your attention than if you receive it from Don Vaca, mystery man. Right. Okay. Uh, so it's not a it's not a, a a don't do, but it's a again it's a, a response to blanketing your blanketing, resume out there. It should really be targeted. It's exactly right. Yeah, more okay. targeting. I love that. Okay. Great. Let me um, change topics slightly. So I uh, I know I sent you this kind of last minute, and I'm I'm real interested in your thoughts on mm -hmm. it. I know you spend more time in the executive space, and and this is mm -hmm. um, not executive, but I'm I'm curious as to I've been trying to think through how to help uh, make sure we're providing folks with useful information that they can use. And I, I found this LinkedIn workforce report pretty interesting. And there are tons of reports out there like this. ADP has mm -hmm. been doing their report yep. forever. Um, I think LinkedIn is in a very interesting pos position because what it's done over, I don't know how many years now is, again, by creating this database um, and social media network that we all have voluntarily given our information to, uh, of our profiles, our attributes. We've had people now weigh in and recommend us for different yep. things. Pound, you know, uh, double click on, you know, we're good at this and that. Now employers putting jobs on there and so on and so forth. We've given them a massive amount of data. Now yep. they've turned that data into information uh, telling us what the market is doing. And they further now taking this down into 20 markets. So mm -hmm. what I uh, showed Don last night was a cut of the Philadelphia market. And one of the interesting things they've done is also looked at the jobs that employers are trying to fill versus the skills available in those different markets. And they've created what they call skill gaps summaries of each market. 10 things that are working well and 10 things that are not working well. So skill, skills surplus, if you will, and the skills uh, gap. And what's interesting is um, one of the skill gaps in the Philadelphia market, one of the top ones was oral communications, as an example, which I just thought was really interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it goes further from there. And then on the next page, what the report also does then is point to ways that you can learn to fill those gaps, mm -hmm. which I couldn't get into because I, I couldn't get my login to work. But I think it then runs you into LinkedIn courses. So there's definitely a training. Yeah, training, which I think they're probably, I don't know if it's free or they're selling it. So mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to, I can't recommend it yet. Right. <laughs> but I'm just curious, what, what, what do you make of this? Do you? I thought it was interesting because I hadn't seen this when you shared it with me. 
these analytics are really interesting. Um, and interestingly enough, they're not, when they talk about shortages in Philadelphia or surpluses, they're not talking about jobs. They're talking about, as you referenced, skills. Skills. Okay. But, but one of the interesting thing is I was not surprised that oral communication was at the top. You weren't. No. Interesting. And, and, and the reason, it, it will be there next year. It will be there five years from now. It will be here, be there 10 years from now. What? Okay. Because it's the one thing I've been in HR or and or recruiting for about 35 years now. And I would say that consistently throughout all of those years, um, if there's one thing that almost every company looks for, with rare exceptions, uh, you know, um, people that are into actuarial work, mm-hmm. it's not as nearly as important. They all look for somebody who can communicate succinctly, mm. clearly. And I think that's a lost art. I, I don't think it's taught very well in high schools and in grade schools, high schools and colleges. So that didn't surprise me one bit. Gotcha. And I think it will be there for a long, long time. Interesting. Okay. Do you think that need has has it gone up with the advent and ubiquitous nature of social media or or just really just been constant? No, I think it, I think it has gone up. I okay. think that's a really good point. I, I think that, you know, you look at texting. Right. Okay. You know, people don't, it, it sounds crazy. People don't spell out before, B-E-F-O-R-E. Mm-hmm. It's B and the numeral four. Right. Okay. And you could, you could point to hundreds and hundreds of examples where the language is not revered. Right. Okay. Not valued. And that will translate if, if you're using that on a day-to-day basis in high school. Right. And then in college or university setting, you're not going to lose it all of a sudden in a work setting. Right. Okay. You're going to carry that with you. So I think your point is well taken is that I think it's on the rise in terms of the the, the shortage hmm. of people with good oral communication skills. And this is so interesting because there's- Public just, speaking courses. Who who takes public speaking courses anymore? How about that? That's interesting. And, and, and what's uh, the, there's two points around this. One, you know, the two points I would love people to take away from this. One is when we're thinking about business often, we're always thinking about how to position ourselves to win, right? What's our unique value proposition? Mm -hmm. How do we position ourselves? Um, One of my favorite books is The uh, Innovator's Solution. So anybody who's read The Innovation's Dilemma, the second book from the same authors is called The Innovator's Solution. And they talk about, you know, how do you break into a market? And one of the ways is you can break into the low end of the market by finding customers who aren't being served at all Mm -hmm. by those giants, right? And take that share and then work your way up uh, to the customers who may be, uh, uh, so you start with the customers who aren't being served at all, then start with the customers who mm-hmm. aren't being, who are being overserved maybe mm-hmm. and paying too much, mm-hmm. right? For pro- products so on and so forth. Um, and so think about this, right? So think about you're in a Philadelphia market. Here are skills that are desired, but not there. Do you have them? Go sell them. Mm-hmm. If you don't have them, go, go get, get them, them, right? And go do it. Mm-hmm. The second thing then that jumps to, to my mind with this is, um, this constant to your point of this this paradigm that we have of belief that we are online society and we will be so forever. Well, business models are changing. And if you listen to episode 12 of The Coiling Solution, Professor Sunil Chopra did a great job of talking about um, we're not online forever, right? Amazon has already shown that through the purchase of Whole Foods and bringing mm-hmm. more things back. Most there's no more of an either there's almost no more of an either or business model online or offline. 
it's both, mm-hmm. right? Most businesses showing that Amazon has not only bought Whole Foods, they're also doing uh, what's called um, Amazon Logistics, where instead of sending everything out through uh, UPS and whatnot, they're starting their own uh, delivery system and so on and so forth. So they're going to the ground. They started online and he he really illustrated the point that many businesses start with what is their core competency, outsourcing most things. But at some point, they work their way through the vertical system mm-hmm. to get back the margin, right? Mm-hmm. And so people who have kind of hedged their bets on, well, those skill sets aren't important because we're a digital society anyway, you might want to rethink that a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And think about these things that are, are are really important. So when you used to sit across the room and text each other to Dom's point, learning how to talk to each other is still mm-hmm. important. These other skills are still important. It, it, it's a point well taken, James. Um, you know, we thought that with the advent of uh, telemedia, uh, Zoom, uh, Link, uh, uh, Skype, okay, that our face-to-face meetings would go away. Well, my daughter-in-law just flew from Los Angeles to London mm-hmm. for one day, okay, hmm. to make a presentation to a group of people in person and fly back, mm. okay? And that continues to happen all over the world. Sure. I mean, that face-to-face is not going to stop. It's right. not, you're right, it's not going to be an either-or. Right, there's a reason there's still a National Speakers Association Correct. with speakers who get paid 10, 20, $50,000 a speech. That's so, correct. Okay. So, well, Dom, this was excellent. Thank you uh, for spending your time spending, uh, in, in your wealth of information with us. As we begin to wrap up, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to share uh, that we didn't cover already? Uh, just one summary thing as it relates to values. Um, in my coaching individuals uh, in uh, the 30 years, 35 years I've been doing this, uh, I was I was a little late. The first few years, I didn't pay any attention to this. I just paid attention to when an individual said, I want X amount of money. Mm. I want to work uh, within uh, an hour commute. Uh, I want this title uh, and uh, and dealt with that criteria. Um, what I came to realize not too far along is that uh, it's really, really critical for a person to know what their priorities in life are. Yes. At di- and they will change at different points in time. Okay. And um, so kind of my advice to people, and it wasn't, it wasn't really preaching uh, and it wasn't uh, c- converting, but um, I always maintain to individuals, regardless of what your religious persuasion is, mm-hmm. is that your first allegiance should be to God, your second to your family, your third to yourself, and your fourth to your employer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you mess up that priority of values, that's when you get in trouble and that's when you end up in environments that probably make you uncomfortable or not uh, not the right fit for you. I love that. Okay. Well said. Well said. Okay. Well, Dom, thank you. Uh, one, one question be- for you, too, before uh, we wrap up. You know, when you look back at your career, what, what's one of the moments in your career that's been most impactful? Um, and, one, you know, maybe a mentor, someone who was most impactful for you and why? Uh, well, there were two uh, that I reflect on. One was a negative one and one mm. was a positive one. The negative one was when I graduated from my bachelor's degree program, I was bound and determined to be a, coll- a university professor okay, in social psychology. Mm. And for that, I needed a PhD in social psychology. And at the time, the job market was very, very limited for professors of social psychology. So I was, I was advised by my um, academic um, 
counselor to apply to the eight top social psych schools in the country. So I proceeded to, to apply to eight of the top social psych schools in the country, and I proceeded to get rejected by every mm. single one of those programs. And that was the first time in my life that things kind of didn't go according to plan, and I didn't have any fallback. Wow. I had no, what do I do now? Wow. Okay, So I kind of spun my wheels for a couple of years until I found my bearings. So that was one that kind of told me, you need to start thinking a little bit further ahead in terms of if this doesn't happen, okay? Leave yourself an out, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other related options? And, and I've, I've certainly subsequently found that. The other was related to what I said earlier in our meeting, our, our conversation, and that is be willing to take a risk. And I had been working for a bank in Philadelphia as an HR manager, and uh, you being familiar with banks will we'll know what I'm talking about, but promotions came uh, lockstep there. And if you came in with somebody as a first level officer with a group of people, um, they were, uh, at least in this particular bank, they were reluctant to promote you until the others in your group were ready to be promoted to. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, that's kind of unfair because if I'm more productive and a better employee than some of these other folks, I should get promoted sooner. And, mm-hmm. vice, and conversely, if I'm not as productive or as good as these others, they should get promoted sooner. So I got frustrated with that. And I all of a sudden, when I was 35 years old, I was struck with this entrepreneurial spirit that is as far from my family background as you can get, coming from a blue collar family in, in outside of Detroit. And um, I was offered an opportunity to take a roughly a almost a $10,000 cut in base pay mm to work a position in recruiting, okay, to start a business in Wilmington on a draw against future commissions, Mm. okay, which was scary as all get out for me. And um, I almost didn't do it until my wife, God bless her, uh, asked me, and we had two kids at the time, okay. She said, you tell me what you've failed at in your life Hmm. in a significant way. And I said, I can't think of anything significant that I failed at, that I didn't try. And she said, well, what makes you think you're you're going to fail at this then? Hmm. And that was enough to push me over the top. And it was the best thing that happened to me from a career standpoint. It uh, enabled me to earn more money to allow some choices for my children. And that's that's the point I was making earlier about being willing to take a risk. I'd never yes. done that before. I'd yeah. never sold before. Right. And um, but just because I didn't didn't mean I couldn't. Right. Okay. So I hope, that, I hope that answers your that question. That totally answers okay. the question. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Thank you again for being here, Don. Appreciate your time. I enjoyed it, James. Thank you. Thank you for linking up with me for another episode of the CoreLink Solution. You are informed, empowered, and can now be accountable. What were some of your takeaways from this episode? I always enjoy hearing from you, so please share. Additionally, if you have questions, hear some things that are new to you or need some clarity on some of those things, I am here to serve. Go to our website at thecorelingsolution.com slash podcast. Right below the show notes, you'll see a comment section. Tell me about some of your takeaways from the episode. You can ask your questions. You can mention challenges in the areas that we cover or tell me about guests you'd love to hear from. Alternatively, you can do the same through social media channels of Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you as always for linking up and I look forward to seeing you next episode.